Welcome back to Starting With A Story. My name is John Lee, recent college graduate who just happened to stumble upon a microphone. And each week, I hope to bring you a person or story that motivates and inspires you to grow and connect with more people every single day. Thank you for spending some time with me today. Now, let's get to our story. This episode finds you well on this absolutely beautiful day. This week's guest is the inspiring Maggie Mistel. She's quite special because of two little facts. One, she is a Villanova alum. Go Cats! And two, this is our first ever guest on Starting With A Story that also has her own podcast, which is called The Making A Living Podcast. On top of that, she has appeared and spoke on NBC's Today Show, Fox Business, and CNN. But her track record doesn't end there. Maggie has also been quoted on several articles from the New York Times, the Washington Post, USA Today, and so many more. But Maggie is so much more than that. She's a powerful force in the career coaching world and lives to help motivate others and help them find their passions and yet is still able to find time to being a loving mother. I'm so excited for all of you to hear her story today, so let's get right to it. All right, everybody, welcome back to Starting With A Story. I am so excited to introduce you guys to an alum of Villanova University and recent friend. Her name is Maggie Mistel, uh, so give her some love. <laughs> Hi, John. Hello, hello. Um, so, hey, Maggie, thank you so much for being here on our podcast today. Really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to come out here and be a part of this. So how about you start off by telling us a little bit about yourself, your upbringing, your story, and where you are today? Sure. Well, first off, I wish I had some canned applause because I would love to feel that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there you go, right? Thank you. Um, and uh, I have to say it is a pleasure to talk to a fellow Villanova alum, especially given uh, where we're at now with this amazing team and coach and school is just fantastic. So it's it's a pleasure. Um, My upbringing, actually, I I did grow up in Pennsylvania, uh, not too far from Villanova, about an hour and a half northeast of there. And um, I got to Villanova because I got a full tuition scholarship, actually. Uh, It was a merit-based scholarship. I went to a really difficult college college prep high school, um, preparatory high school. And worked my butt off, um, <laughs> and luckily it paid off with a Villanova education. Wow, so I was very awesome. blessed. Yeah, and I have a special place in my heart for a place like Villanova that I do, I do feel pushes uh, people to do great things. And mm. so it was a wonderful place to start. Uh, but I come from a family of entrepreneurs. My mom is a physician. My dad and his family are a lot of teachers, and he's uh, done a lot of other entrepreneurial things. Uh, but but even my grandfather, my aunt, everybody had this control over their time because mm. they. They had their own businesses. So growing up, I just saw this time freedom that I loved. And I thought that was the greatest thing. Meanwhile, you know, I'm in school and, you know, on a schedule. And here they are (laughs) kind of deciding, right, where and when they're going to be somewhere. And I really liked that. Uh, So fast forward to Villanova. I know I liked business. I liked that idea. uh, But I didn't know much else. So I studied accounting because Arthur Anderson um, and other big accounting firms at the time Mm. And and still do, I believe. They have an internship program through Villanova. And it was a great way to get a job while you're still in school um, and graduate fully mm-hmm. employed, which sounded great to uh, me. So I did amazing. that. <laughs> yeah, I got the accounting degree. I didn't mind accounting. I found it pretty straightforward. It, um, you know, I, I liked it enough. I liked the internship enough. I liked Arthur Anderson a lot. It was great people. Mm. And uh, But then I got into the job as an auditor. And within the first few months, I really didn't like it. And I couldn't oh, no. see myself doing this for very long, like yeah. not my life. <laughs> so it was a bit of an issue, but thankfully, um, Arthur Anderson was a big company and I expressed my interest in other types of things and they had a business consulting division and I made the switch. Uh, actually, wow. 
uh, yeah, made the it switch with switch, there was yeah. a project came up and they said, well, we need somebody. And, you know, when you're that one, one cool thing and I'll tell, I know you just graduated mm-hmm. and others too, you know, there's no real mistakes you can make. And, and in fact, you're better off <laughs> making mistakes younger and earlier. You know, you might as well try stuff because there mm-hmm. wasn't very fall, far for me to fall. Like they didn't have to change my salary. They didn't mm-hmm. have to, you know, the, nothing about my job had to change. They just put me on different projects. Yeah, yeah, and, for sure. You know, that's the case in a lot of companies. If something's not working out. You know, so just to weave in some career advice and give a little preview of where I went from there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did work at Arthur Anderson for about seven years. And fast forward to their indictment with the whole Enron scandal. Oh, okay. Uh, it was a wake-up call for me and for others. I really hadn't been happy with the traveling lifestyle. Mm. Um, and the work was okay, but I, I moved over into organizational psychology and more kind of, uh, they called it change management, which was good. It was like the people side of business, mm. but it mm-hmm. still wasn't fulfilling. And so when that mm. happened, I felt like I had an opportunity to really figure things out. It was kind of the kick in the pants, you know, that mm-hmm. uh, yeah. I needed. It was a, the firm wasn't going to continue. It was definitely going to close. And mm-hmm. so you really just had to figure out where you're going to go. Arthur Anderson was great, though. Great company, a great place like Villanova mm-hmm. in that supported its people. And they paid us, even though they had no work for us to do. It's about oh, six wow. months we got paid while we figured out what our next steps were going to be. And I thought that was a really classy act. Yeah, that is really Right. It's amazing. Sure, yeah. These day and age, I want to give credit because it was truly the partners knowing they said it's not the employee's fault. This happened. Mm. It was a few people um, in one particular place. So, yeah. So they took care of us and at least gave us that opportunity and tried to get as many people jobs you know, as they could into, into if you wanted to stay in consulting. But mm. I thought this was a chance to move on. So I found the Life Purpose Institute in San Diego. I found it in the back of a magazine called New Age Magazine. And um, I, I called them up and I said, I'd like my life purpose, please. <laughs> Can I figure that out with you? Don't we all? <laughs> right, don't we all? It's like, perfect timing. And, and they said, well, we train coaches in our process, which is called the life purpose process. Oh, wow. And what you can do is be in the class with the, with, you know, become a coach, but also take the, take the process. As we're going through it, you can actually be the oh, guinea pig. That's the really class. cool. I yeah, like, like why I haven't heard that? that before, yeah. Right, and I'm like, oh, and I didn't know I wanted to be a coach. I just know mm-hmm. I wanted to figure out my life purpose. So I said, all right, well, it doesn't hurt to get a coaching certification in addition. It's just I really want this process. Mm-hmm. So I went through it, and I found out about career coaching as a career. I, you know, all those signs in my um, soul search or self-exploration at the time really mm-hmm. pointed to career talk and career conversation and career interest and passion and talent and, you know, different things just really pointed me in that direction. Mm-hmm. And they said, well, why don't you try career coaching? I'm like, what's that? You know, and this was about 15 years ago. So it was still a new thing relative mm-hmm. to this whole coaching thing. And then a career coach in particular. Yeah, um, that, but, that was probably like somewhat unheard of at the time. It was. I mean, I did. I told my parents, you know, don't don't tell your parents about something. <laughs> oh, my. You mean leaving Arthur Anderson to be a career coach? What, yeah, what's yeah. Doing? You know, but I had a mortgage. I lived in New York City mm. and they didn't want to pay me that mortgage. So I took it. I basically knew I, I wanted to try coaching, but I needed a job because mm. coaching doesn't pay straight out of the gate. Not not a New York City mortgage anyway. Mm-hmm. And so um, I decided to try my coaching practice on the side, but get a day job that was a, a easier than uh, consulting. So more like a nine to six. Okay. And um, for those people considering career change and, and that kind of thing, what what I did was I asked my network. Who do you know who's in HR in New York City? Because that was the closest to the kind of people, psychology of business work that I've been doing. Gotcha. And it turns out the head of HR, Martha Stewart, living Omnimedia, was a former Arthur Anderson person. I had worked uh, with Villanova, <laughs> and I had worked with others around her. I never worked with her, yeah, but yeah. I had people around her that she said, yeah, sure, I'll do an informational interview. And wow. I walked in the door, and she said, we need management training. Can you do that? And I said, yes. Yes, <laughs> That's exactly what I could do. <laughs> exactly, yes. Uh, and I had the, I did have the wherewithal to, you know, although mm-hmm. it was new, I, you know, I knew from my consulting, I felt pretty prepared. Yeah, for sure. Uh, long story there, but I spent four years wow. working at Stewart. I did take just for, again for those career changers out there. I took a thirty-five percent pay cut, John, to take that job. Whoa, thirty-five percent. Five percent. What? Oh my and gosh! I, I took like a demotion, right? <laughs> Like so, I went back from so I was a manager. Now I was a senior trainer. Oh, wow. um, so I went to their learning and development area, and so I think for a lot of people, they think, "Oh, I can't take a step back." I get that a lot now mm-hmm. as a career coach. People are like, "Oh, I want to keep exactly my same income." I'm like, "Well, that you can get back to that income, but you might want to transition. Mm-hmm. You know, have a, give yourself some flexibility." 
And I did do the math, thankfully, because I had my accounting background. I could <laughs> do the math so in my own. Handy at some point. <laughs> The math, and I have my CPA, by the way, so I could really, you know, oh, use it. Man. <laughs> That's real. <laughs> um, yeah, but I, I knew how much I needed to make to cover my bills, mm. and I knew how low I could go. And I still negotiated for more with the Martha folks and, and gave myself a little bit, you know, a little bit extra. Yeah. Um, but the good news, though, too, when you do something like that, I got my time back. All of a sudden, I was working really nine to six, like truly nine to six. And I had nights and weekends back, which I did not have in my six-figure consulting job. Um, I also had the opportunity to um, build my coaching practice on the side. Martha Stewart didn't have any restrictions on having a side business. In fact, she encouraged entrepreneurship. She thought it was make do a better employee or something yeah, like her. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, you know, so really really was a smart move in that sense. And I was hungry to make money from my coaching because I wanted to make up that difference. Mm. It seems so like it that was like more of your passion than the accounting was. And exactly. Yeah. Right. And I wanted to make money from it. Right. Mm -hmm. I wanted to try it as a career. And it, it's scary when you're trying something new and trying to sell people on it. So I needed <laughs> right that motivation. I needed a reason to go out and pitch my, my coaching services. And mm -hmm. that 35% pay income drop was a really good motivator. Mm. You know, and now I could deduct home expenses and being the CPA. Uh, but if people could do that, if you have yeah. a business at home, you can deduct. Like I just learned so much. I'm like, wow, I don't even have to make as much because I can deduct more, not pay as much in taxes. So mm. I actually got money that way too. It was very interesting. I think people think there's so many barriers mm -hmm. when actually there's a lot there to support you. Yeah, it, you know, yeah, going sure. after your dreams. And then the most amazing thing happened, John. Martha Stewart launched a radio channel on Sirius XM. I heard about that. Yeah, yeah. I was I was I, looking into some of your videos and I, I heard about that transition. But yeah, tell us tell us more about that. That's awesome. <laughs> well, secretly, not anymore, but secretly at the time, I always loved talk radio. And mm -hmm. I had never really expressed it, mm -hmm. but I wanted to have my own talk show. It just was in my mind as this pipe dream. And I just, didn't, again, I just never really talked about it, never really, you know, made it a huge focus, but it was just always this idea that I love to have happen. And when you know it, she launches a channel. Mm. And so with the help of my boss, who was really supportive and that helps, he's still a great mentor. I pitched a show on careers and I had been coaching, career coaching within the company wow. for those, those, you know, years I had been there, mm -hmm. you know, while I was there. And so people knew I was an effective coach. And they said, well, and I said, the employees are benefiting from it. And these are the mm. same type of people going to listen to this channel. Why wouldn't you have a career talk show? Mm. And they said, you want to host it? And I said, yes. <laughs> and I, I was, it was a dream true. It was also very scary because mm. I had never done live radio before. Mm -hmm. And I thought, okay, well, you know, I'm going to doing this with the company. They'll give us training. Mm, what they said was the best training. This is radio people. They did have radio consultants. They said the best training is to just do it. Yeah. Get as many I hours. That. I resonate right? a lot with that. Yeah. <laughs> right? Well, you know, as a podcaster too, right? It's the best thing you can do is do more podcasting, right? You're yeah, going to get better. Go for it. Go for it. So I did. I asked for as much radio time as I could. I think I was on about five hours a week. Wow. Cool, cool. But it was Sunday afternoons. It was Thursday night. It was mm. Monday. Like any time yeah, they needed yeah. airtime, mm. I was happy to be there. And I didn't have my son at the time. I wasn't married yet, but. Mm. You know, I was able to put time in, which I do think really helps. I talk about building up what that 10,000 hours of genius and that kind of thing. Mm, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. So it really did boost my confidence to be able and my brand because now all of a sudden I was known as a career coach mm. to people who listen to Sirius XM mm -hmm, and now mm -hmm. the US, that's Canada, that's Mexico. You know, it was really neat to kind of have that platform. So mm. long story short, I ended up leaving Martha Stewart once my coaching practice grew to the point where it could support me full time. Mm -hmm. And I took a three-month leave of absence, again, for people looking <laughs> to make that transition easier. Mm -hmm. I wasn't sure. I still wasn't sure. I could. I, I knew I was making enough that I could live off it, but mm -hmm. I still was nervous about leaving that steady paycheck. So I asked my boss if I could just take the summer to think about it mm -hmm. and still have the job if I wanted to come back in the fall. Like I was like, can you do that? Wow. Can I take like, an unpaid leave? Yeah. And he said, sure. And actually, it also decided my parents uh, were, had a business and needed some consulting. Mm -hmm. And so and that was actually, I really was helping them. So I said to my, my boss's boss, I said, I need to help my parents this summer with their business. You know, mm -hmm. so I didn't go into the coaching side of it, but I just said, I really need to take this time. And they were great. They were very, very supportive. I even kept my benefits. They kept my benefits during that time. And then uh -huh. I was able to really test it out, see, mm -hmm. for three full months, how do I feel? 
Mm. I feel confident I can make a living. Am I okay without the steady paycheck? Because I wasn't getting the paycheck. You know, mm. I was getting mm. the benefit. You know, it's kind of this feeling. How's your bank account? How are you feeling about it? <laughs> right? And yeah. I loved it. I never looked back. Wow. And so that's, gosh, at least, actually, it's almost coming up on 10 years of a full-time wow. coaching. Wow. That's so fun. <laughs> so, yeah. So it's a very long-winded answer. Oh, and mm. by the way, Martha Stewart did get indicted two weeks after I joined her company. Oh, okay. <laughs> but thankfully... <laughs> She was a very strong leader. So were the people at Anderson, but she had the choice. She actually, actually, her going to prison and serving a sentence saved that company. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It was was very interesting. And all of that just helps with my career story because having gone through two corporate indictments, thankfully Mm -hmm. not my own, managing my my own career and helping others, you know, it was a big part of, you know, keeping people at Martha because they were scared. You know, we did a lot of coaching. So anyway, yeah, it was, it's, the universe does conspire to help you when you, when you put out there what you're looking to do. Yeah. Amen. Wow. Thank you for sharing your brief summary of your journey. It sounds like there's so much in there and I can't wait to dive into so many of those. But John, the, can, I, can I add one point that I just yeah, think? Yeah, of course. Of course. So I, I mentioned New Age Magazine early mm-hmm. on where I kind of found that Life Purpose Institute. Mm-hmm. Mark Stewart ended up buying that company and that magazine. Oh, wow. Called it Whole <laughs> Living. And I got to write and work on Whole Living Magazine. Wow. Got to work with all the staff. I got to visit the offices. It was, you know, so that's when I tell you, like, this is all set up, you know, for you, whatever your dreams are, it's Mm -hmm. all working behind the scenes in ways you never imagined that, you know, I just was, yeah. So I I wanted to, I didn't want to miss that point as well. That's awesome. So you, you got to touch on so many different industries at like the great timings that you had. The first thing that I kind of want to dive into is you said that you grew up in like a family of entrepreneurs where... I feel like for me, I, as I just graduated, that's become like a huge trend now because you got like big, big people with loud voices like Gary Vee and Tony Robbins and Lewis Howes and all these people that are all about life coaching and entrepreneurship. How have you seen that industry change from like when you were a kid all the way up until now? Well, I think what's interesting is people, so there's a couple of things. One is the stable, quote unquote, stable route used to be to work for someone else, mm. right? So when I was growing up, you could work for someone else for your whole career and have mm. a full-time steady paycheck. Mm. You know, but then what happens when I'm in college, that's when they start with the, the layoffs, right? It's like yeah. when the first yeah. big round of layoffs started happening. And now it's layoffs have become a way of doing business. And the other interesting thing, I was just talking to someone about his career and he is finding he can only find temporary roles. He can't even find oh, wow. full-time jobs. Mm. And this is a traditionally full-time area, like a, you know, an area of business where you could get full-time all the time. And mm-hmm. then now companies are making that a contingent, they call it contingent uh, role. They don't want to pay somebody full-time, but they will mm-hmm. pay them in temporary spurts. Gotcha. So we have that aspect of the economy and the way companies are operating coinciding with people who want flexibility. Mm-hmm. They want control over their time and their schedule. They are you know, self-starters. I mean, you do need to be all those things to be a successful entrepreneur, mm-hmm. you know, you, but you can make, it's very interesting. You can see it as a positive and say, wow, okay, I can really manage my career almost like my own free agent. Like mm-hmm. you can be a free agent. I remember free agent nation came out as a magazine title in like 1995. I mean, we are, we are in that and more, mm-hmm. right? But for other people who don't feel comfortable and don't like that aspect, if they're not entrepreneurial, if it doesn't suit their personality, if it doesn't, fit uh, how they like to work, mm-hmm. you know, there's still going to be full-time jobs. There's just going to be less of them and yeah. more core of a company. So, you know, if you have entrepreneurial interest though, I think it's, it's a great opportunity. The challenge is you got to learn, you know, mm-hmm. while you're doing, and I, I had the chance at Arthur Anderson to get a lot of exposure about business. I had the chance at Villanova to learn a lot about business, not just through accounting, but you know, through the business school there. Mm-hmm. And so if you do want to be an entrepreneur, you're still going to have to learn the fundamentals of business. And, you know, you, you're better off learning that in college and or working for someone who's a successful entrepreneur because there's mm-hmm. definitely smart ways to do it and, and ways that can be a challenge. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So you also kind of mentioned this and it kind of goes hand in hand with um, entrepreneurship. I have trouble with that word sometimes. Uh, <laughs> but uh, what's your relationship with sacrifice and what are some of the toughest things that you had to sacrifice throughout your journey? Actually, I don't believe in sacrifice. I really oh, don't. Okay. I don't believe in suffering. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't believe. I think that's if you're if that's your experience. If it's a struggle, mm-hmm. then it's not the right path. That's truly mm-hmm. what I have found. 
what I have found instead is that when I've struggled, it's because I'm in the wrong place doing the wrong thing. Like I will tell you honestly, when I first took that accounting full-time role mm-hmm. as an auditor, my neck started to hurt because I was bending over a desk. Really? You know? Yes, uh, immediately. And yeah. I'm like, oh my God, I can't do this for 25 years now. My neck hurt. Mm-hmm. Now, are there people who do accounting and their neck doesn't hurt? Yes. <laughs> but it you. wasn't right for me. Yeah. You know? So that's what you have to see is that, hey, if you're experiencing a struggle mm-hmm. and it's a constant struggle, right? The work is hard. It takes a ton. I also saw, I mean, the work was hard for me. I, it, I was so nervous I was going to get something wrong because all of a sudden, I mean, doing accounting in school is one thing, mm-hmm. but doing it in real life, I mean, there are real businesses relying on my accounting knowledge. Mm-hmm. And just didn't feel like that was my best source of genius. I just mm. didn't feel like that's where my talents lie. Mm. So, you know, it, it wasn't, it didn't feel good to be in that position every day. It felt like unnecessary pressure mm-hmm. and that weighed on me. The other thing I was doing was shop therapy, John. I was going to the mall. I was buying all kinds of stuff. Like I got <laughs> money I was spending all of a sudden. You could say, well, yeah, you know, you didn't, I didn't have a college, you know, debt to pay back, thankfully, mm-hmm. because of my scholarship. Yeah, yeah. I did have a salary, but I was like, wow, why do I feel the need to fill some kind of hole? What's mm-hmm. going on? Here? All of a sudden, I have to spend this much money oh to feel God. good. Yeah. Right? So I think mm-hmm. when, you know, there's, there's this idea that we have to sacrifice to get somewhere. Mm-hmm. And I have to put effort in, but mm-hmm. that effort should be a joy. That effort should give you energy back. That effort mm-hmm. should make you feel excited about life and living, not, neck hurting, right? Overspending, mm-hmm. you know, trying to drown out your, you know, your, your, your unhappiness. That's not really the path. So I think if you're sacrificing too much, it's probably the wrong path. Got you. Got you. That's, that's such an interesting perspective that I haven't really thought of it that way. And I do really resonate with that. I think that's so true. And if it is a struggle for you, then maybe it's not really the right choice or the right decision. But what were some of, I guess, the harder decisions that you've had to make in your career path, so to speak? Sure. Well, leaving. So I was actually with Arthur Anderson in Philadelphia first. Uh, Well, Pittsburgh, then Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. And I was pretty happy. You know, we get the, I think the harder part is leaving something comfortable. So I wasn't working in Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was happy there. I had an easy commute. (laughs) You know, like it wasn't a struggle. It felt fine. Was I ecstatic every day? No. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it wasn't terrible and it was pretty good. And, you know, I was kind of comfortable. Let's call Mm -hmm. it that. Yeah. But then there were some leadership changes and I got the vibe, uh, the actual direction from my Mm -hmm. mentor who strongly said, if you want to stay with this company, you're going to need to move to New York. Um, And moving to New York was pretty scary for me, even though I'd grown up in the northeast of Pennsylvania, like an Mm -hmm. hour and a half outside Philly, about two hours outside of New York. Mm -hmm. It still was this daunting idea of moving to this city and living there full time. Mm -hmm. And so you know, I think it's the feel, the fear and do it anyway kind of experiences that are exciting and scary, but also mm. wonderful. And it was mm-hmm. something I did a little bit under duress because she literally said to me, you, okay, if you don't leave, if you don't go to New York, then you must leave this firm. <laughs> mm. Oh my goodness. And I wasn't ready to leave the firm. And she wasn't kidding. Like she wasn't the kind to be dramatic. That's like a pretty, pretty solid ultimatum right there. Exactly. Right. And, and I trusted her guidance. Right. Mm-hmm. So I said, wow, okay, you're not kidding. So I will then move to New York, even though I'm afraid, mm. you know, and it was a great choice. I ended up meeting my husband within my in six months of moving there. I ended up finding a whole bunch of Villanova people at Arthur Mm -hmm. Anderson's office there connecting with sorority Mm -hmm. systems and others. You know, I just found this whole life and I lived in New York full time for 15 years Mm -hmm. uh, in that experience. I mean, it was was such a huge positive for my life and career, both, you know, outside of work and and, and professionally. So, Mm -hmm. you know, those types of moments, I feel like, you know, it might be hard choices that you have to make because they're scary. Mm -hmm. You know, even like the radio show, like, okay, Mag, go ahead. You want a radio show? Here it is. Now yeah, get out to live on air. And I'm like, oh, wow. You know, it's like <laughs> looking down a cliff and saying, am I going to yeah. jump? Is this, you know, is this bungee going to hold? You know, <laughs> but you, it's, it's, those are the exciting things. I've learned that that's living, you know, mm-hmm. and there's that, there's the quotes from Eleanor Roosevelt that, you know, all around fear. And she says, like, do what scares you every day. Do something mm-hmm. that scares you every day. And what she's trying to tell you is live every day. Mm-hmm. Because now I see those quote unquote scary things as the scary, exciting things, right? Mm-hmm. That make life the kind of wonderful adventure it can be, right? Mm-hmm. So you don't want to shy away from those challenges. Mm-hmm. You want to, you know, grab hold and go after them. Embrace it and embrace it. Yeah, and have fun with it. Even though, and you might fail, you know, it might not work mm-hmm. out. It's okay. I mean, everything I've read about any successful person is they've had, you know, situations that didn't work out, but they didn't mm-hmm. let it stop. You know, they learned or they move forward or push them in a new direction. 
Mm-hmm. You know, so I think it's important to see these opportunities, not as scary reasons to stop or stay mm-hmm. in a safe place, mm-hmm. you know, to really yeah. go after what you, it is you want to do. For sure. For sure. What are some of the most impactful failures that you've had in your journey and how'd you bounce back from them? I'm still upset about the 47 I got in my algebra test in seven. <laughs> <laughs> oh, those algebra classes just get to you. Oh my goodness. <laughs> it was honestly, it was very interesting because now having a first grader, mm. uh, you know, an elementary school is great. It's just not, and it can be academically challenging. I'm not saying it's not, but it's just different, right? You mm-hmm. don't, you don't push kids in the academic rigor so quickly. Yeah. At least not mm-hmm. in, in our situation. Mm-hmm. But that, so I went to a regular public. Uh, elementary school, which is great. And it wasn't hard for me to succeed. I could mm-hmm. get straight A's and, or B pluses or whatever. Like it was easy, relatively. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, mm-hmm. I thank my parents who, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. and smart genes I got. Mm-hmm. But then when I get to this, this high school, uh, it was a college prep school where it was strongly academic. Wow. Mm-hmm. Did I learn what, you know, the, the level of smart, right? With mm-hmm. those people I was with was just off the charts. All of a sudden I was a small fish in a big pond. Mm-hmm. And I felt it really squarely, like right between the eyes with that 47 on a test. Like I yeah. felt like my, my career was over. <laughs> <laughs> it's done. It's I'm like, okay, it's over. <laughs> I, just, I am really bad at this. I had fears mm. that I was and there it was on the page. Yeah. So what I did and, and in general, I mean, it, you know, when I can't do something, mm. I go to people who can. Mm. And the, you know, the math teacher actually who I learned from is still there teaching wow. even That's 20 awesome. plus years later. And yeah. it's amazing. <laughs> To me, that I lived in his office, you know, mm. every day after school, because I was like, well, I'm going to have to work at this subject if I want to do well. Mm. And I mean, I changed now, and the school has changed too, because you don't have to be great in every subject quite the same way. You know, yeah. that doesn't make sense. We've kind of learned. Mm-hmm. But, you know, then it was those grades. I got great, you know, great grades throughout the rest of high school because of that work ethic. I put hours in, at least four hours a day. I mean, it, was, it was really rigorous academically. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was serious. I worked harder in high school than I did at nothing against Villanova. <laughs> Villanova was rigorous, but my high school was that rigorous. That's all oh it was easy. <laughs> oh, you know, you that's kind of the idea. They're like, oh, come here. We'll make everything else easier. <laughs> uh, but yeah, but I think it's, it's just learning, you know, how to bounce back and respond, you know, it, you know, and not let it affect your ego for the rest of your life. Mm. Uh, you know, it can be a, a real challenge when you, you know, have those moments. The other, the other thing I can remember is, is speaking in a meeting with Arthur Anderson when mm-hmm. I all of a sudden was kind of moving up the chain and I wanted to become manager and managers had to start selling work. So I mm-hmm. went on a prospecting meeting with a new client and I got put on the spot and I wasn't prepared. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know what I was supposed to be prepared for, but I wasn't prepared for that question. And I remember getting that self-conscious, oh my God, my face is getting red. I don't know what I'm uh, saying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. experience. Those moments are terrifying yeah, sometimes. <laughs> bomb that one and then you realize okay well next meeting i'm going to go and prepare differently and mm-hmm. some of this you have to experience i think to know what preparation looks like mm-hmm. you know and what that means i mean it's, that's what i'm saying it's not the end when you have these experiences it's an opportunity to say okay well how do what do i need to do differently to have a different outcome mm-hmm. next time and i'm thankful that you know they haven't there haven't been that many other situations i mean i did have a, a pretty serious knee injury played softball in high school and that physical injury it took about two years of recovery. Jeez. Was it your ACL or ACL? M- the other one, the yeah, MCL. Oh, <laughs> I feel your pains. It sucks. <laughs> You've had an ACL as well. Yeah, I tore my ACL, MCL, and meniscus, and then I retore my ACL, and oh. I had surgeries for both the both times, and that's Ooh. just not fun. That's just not fun for anyone. <laughs> no, no, and, and that's the other thing you learn is your mortality, like. <laughs> <laughs> Like, wow. Yeah, honestly, that's so true. Like, life is short. <laughs> yeah, life is short and you need to take care of yourself. And actually, the, the good news about my knee is that it keeps me in shape now because uh, thankfully, I still have my original knee. I don't have any knock on wood replacements or anything. Wow. And uh, it makes me look out because, it, you know, you're kind of forced to keep it going to, to mm-hmm. keep it healthy. So, again, I think I don't, I'm a naturally positive person, John, mm-hmm. too. Can't tell. So I tend to try to see the good in situations. Amen. But Amen. everybody gets those situations where we're out of our sorts and, and it's okay. It, mm-hmm. It's part of learning. And, it, and I, to be honest, I did not go towards anything math related career wise yeah. because I knew <laughs> that was my strong suit. I could do it, mm-hmm. but it took a lot of effort. So at least I knew. And, and accounting isn't exactly too, too much crazy math. So mm-hmm. yeah. 
Awesome. Awesome. Now you, you just mentioned this, that you're, you're a pretty happy person. I could definitely, definitely feel that. Were you always like that or was there a shift in changing your outlook in life? I've always been this way as far as I can tell. Amen. <laughs> My parents awesome. talk about anytime there was a camera, I'm ready to smile. You know, <laughs> I like to be out there with people and mm. It's actually a lot of fun for me to even talk, you know, to, to do podcasts and talk to anybody, especially like, I'm so excited. You're like, thanks for doing the podcast. Are you kidding? It's my pleasure. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. And I like to see the positive. I, I, I like to see opportunity and challenge. I like to show people a different perspective. Mm. It doesn't mean that I don't get down and I have people I go to. I, I think that's the other lesson mm. learned is that we all need a support group. Mm, uh, you know, yeah. moral support and someone to offer a different perspective. Because mm -hmm. I remember when I first started coaching and I left the Arthur Anderson job and I went to Martha and I started pitching people to be my coaching clients. I think I pitched like seven people and nobody said yes yet. Mm. And I said to my then boyfriend, now husband, I don't think I should do this. I'm terrible. <laughs> nobody wants to hire me. You know? <laughs> I did. Yeah. I went straight there. Like, I was like, okay, that's it. I guess I have to quit. And he said, are you kidding? Like, mm. <laughs> how, like, Keep going, Maggie. We've only talked to seven people. And he's like, and they, some of them could still say yes. Like, you only talk to them once. Like, you have to learn that sales is a process. And then my next person said yes. Mm. And so there's those quotes, John, you know, you've probably seen it about, you know, most people quit right before they're about to be a success. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, right really before think, there's like a horizon right on the yeah, other side of the next step. Yeah, that kind it of takes stuff. that little bit of extra. And, and if it wasn't for him, I might have quit. You know, you wow. need those people in your life and I'm happy to be that. You know, yeah. that's what, that's what I like to play, but I also need it too. I've always had mentors, coaches, friends I go to, mm. you know, people in quotes and books and, and authors and gurus that I, you know, I love Wayne Dyer. He rest in peace. Mm. I've, I, you know, his inspirational spiritual work has been a huge importance to my career. And I love Jack Canfield who has the success principles and his mm. success advice. Yeah. So, you know, you've got, to, you've got to find what resonates with you and what's going to keep you mm -hmm. moving forward. And that could be very different people, you know, very different aspects of life and work. And it could be a friend or it could be, you know, a spiritual leader, it could be anybody. But you've mm -hmm. really got to find folks and make sure that you tap into them because it mm -hmm. doesn't go well for anybody every day. We all mm -hmm. have down days. We all have difficult situations. It's just a matter of how you respond to them. And sometimes we need help to, to do it the right way. Mm -hmm. So I guess going along with that, who are some of the most influential mentors or role models that you've had? And what are some of like the, the key things that they've taught you that you really hold close to your heart? Well, I'm going to start with my parents. Mm. And my mom went to medical school, John, when I was six. My sister was five and my brother was 10. Oh, wow. Yeah. And we lived in northeastern Pennsylvania, like I mentioned, about an hour and a half outside of Philadelphia. And she mm -hmm. went to Philadelphia to go to medical school. Oh my goodness. And that meant moving into an apartment there. So during the week, we weren't going to see our mom. Wow. And what's interesting is that my parent, my father fully supported her. Mm -hmm. And my grandmother and grandfather on my mother's side lived next door, still do actually with my parents, my grandmother anyway. And she mm -hmm. came up every day to take care of us and picked us up every day after school. Like my, the rest of the family what? really came together. Yeah. And and so I look back at that and I learned, well, my mom was 28 at the time and she was following her dream mm. right? after having three kids. So when I hear people who contact me for career coaching and they say, well, I want to do this, but I have kids and I can't make a change. Like, yes, you can. Yes, you can make, <laughs> you know, uh, mm -hmm. and yes, you can move. Like she moved and it wasn't easy on her to move. You know, all of a sudden yeah. she was on her own, you know, without her family. And then she yeah. has to study and do well. And, you know, it was an interesting transition, but it was all in support of somebody following their dreams. And she, to this day, she's, I don't want to give, give out her age exactly, but she is getting close to 70. Um, mm -hmm. she said, she's loving, she's still a doctor. She's still a physician. She's wow, not, that's awesome. <laughs> she was six years old. And yeah. that's what was communicated to us. It wasn't like, Oh, your mother's abandoning you. Bye. You know? yeah. <laughs> Mommy's a different framing. Dream. That's awesome. And can too someday. So I never felt that pressure that so many young people feel like, oh, I got to get it right out of college. I'm like, no, mm. you know, you could change. People mm. do. Mom did. Why can't you? Mm. You, know, you just need, again, to, to have that support network. And I learned later in life that she actually told my father when they were engaged, she said, okay, now I just want you to know something. I'm going to go to medical school. It's a <laughs> yeah. condition of our marriage. <laughs> mm. 
you know, I mean, you better be upfront with it for sure. Right? And that, but that was it. Like she set the expectation, like, Hey, I'm going to do this someday and I need mm. you to, to support me in that or else this isn't going to work out. Mm. And that is also a lesson. So I learned from her that you can really follow your dreams and it doesn't matter when. Wow. And I learned from my dad who, who was, I mean, and still is. I mean, my dad was, he wasn't like a Mr. Mom, but he took great care of us and he's been mm. my greatest coach. He's the person who coached my softball team. Mm. And I saw him believe in players that I didn't. <laughs> to put it nicely, my dad, you waste your time, you know. And then I'd see these players play and get better and and win games for us Amen. in critical. Moments. And I was like, wow, okay, I get it, you know. And so the fact that I'm a coach, the fact that I'm a career changer, I credit my mom. The fact that I'm a coach, I credit my dad. And because I, I am so coachable, I love to be coached by great people. I'm very trusting and I, I respond well to that. And I love to do that same service for others. So I'd say those two folks in my own personal life. And then my husband actually has been a huge um, benefit because he's, he comes from, you know, Long Island and it's a, you know, in New York, which is a very different place than rural Pennsylvania. And, um, I've just learned, you know, Wayne Dyer is someone I learned about from him who is very much about not just positive attitude, but really about um, becoming your full own person, right? Not mm. being an approval seeker, not letting guilt and worry stop you from doing things. Mm. Um, so much of the mental, mentally positive, mentally resilient type of um, structure I've created and I provide for my clients, I learned because he, you know, he kind of said, hey, check this book out. You might like it. You know, he does that a lot for me, he kind of pushes me. And my brother does that too. You know, people who, who know what I'm about and they kind mm -hmm. of give me little nudges and, and things and, along the way. So I have to say, you know, the people close to me have been very supportive and helpful and I, I wouldn't be here without them. Amen. Amen. Yeah, I definitely resonate with that. That's uh, like you were, you were saying before, it's definitely the support group and having that is so essential and so crucial in your pursuits that you're going for. So it's awesome. Thank you so much for tuning in today. This is Starting With The Story, and I'm John Lee. We'll be right back with more moments with Maggie Mistel. <laughs> something that you wish more people knew about you and your story that i also have done cabaret <laughs> oh like like performing and singing and yes i what? put on my own cabaret show i developed and performed off broadway my own cabaret show called follow your dreams, follow your dreams. And you can check it out on youtube but just yeah, type in do. maggie may mistel mm -hmm. and uh yeah i i had so one of the things john you know being a career coach who's all about life purpose and following your dreams is mm -hmm. i've got to follow mine like yeah. i don't give advice oh, if you're not then you're right? what are you doing right? <laughs> yeah exactly i'm not going to be very credible yeah yeah so and i lived let's see in new york when i had that apartment that i talked about the mortgage mm -hmm. it was right off broadway and there was a great place called Don't Tell Mama that's still there. And it's a cabaret bar restaurant. And it's a it's a famous place. And mm -hmm. I wanted so badly to kind of put on my own show. And when I tell you, again, the universe conspires to help you. Basically, the uh, so on my radio show on Sirius XM, I got to interview amazing people, including mm -hmm. Deepak Chopra and folks like that. Mm -hmm. And Deepak Chopra had a, had a show on Sirius as well. And his producer and I became friends. She was in New York. And she was a trained opera singer. And I just happened to talk to her about my, again, my closet interest. I had the radio show, <laughs> and I had singing. I just yeah, had to speak like the kind of into it. <laughs> yeah, so you're like classically trained. That's very interesting. Tell me about that. And she ended up saying, well, I could use some career help. So we bartered. Oh. I bartered my career and she did voice lessons for me, mm. uh, career coaching for her. And so anyway, so, and we did that for a good year. Mm. And she said to me, you need to do a show. Because I see you respond well to goals and you're going to really get, you're going to push through to your, you know, becoming what you want to become as a singer by doing a show. And I was mm -hmm. scared to death. More strict <laughs> on, like I had been on CNN 12 times. I didn't care. I'd go talk on CNN again another hundred times and I wouldn't yeah, get on yeah. sing. But, you know, really scared me to the core to think about being that vulnerable on a stage with my mm -hmm. voice. Like that's what's interesting. 
you know, these kind of feel the fear moments really do put you uh, squarely where you need to be. And anyway, yeah. yeah, so she helped me approach Don't Tell Mama. She helped me create the show. She helped me find musicians. And it was basically a jazz show where my husband was the MC, And we, <laughs> to, we had the audience do their own goals and dreams mm-hmm. during the show. And intermission, I had picked every song that was about encouraging them to follow their dreams. Wow. Yeah, and, the, and they were, the, my musicians were all Juilliard. Um, if they weren't Juilliard, they were just amazing talents and this was their career. Like they're Mm. all career musicians and still are. Mm. It was just a dream come true. And I put the show on twice at Don't Tell Mama and once for a nonprofit organization. And it was like the most rewarding thing I've ever done. It also takes a lot of work. So I don't continue to do it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I haven't done one in several years, probably Mm -hmm. about gosh, eight or nine. Uh, but it yeah. was, it doesn't mean I won't do it again, but it, yeah, I just yeah. know what it takes to do that. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, but it was a very rewarding experience to see that dream come to fruition and to have the videos of it and the recordings mm-hmm. and to actually do what it is, you know, I say I want to do. Like, that's what's mm-hmm. so amazing. When you become that kind of person who has a dream and goes for it and has mm-hmm. a dream and goes, for it, you know, you don't ever have to stop. You just live your yeah. life every day going after the kind of stuff, the inspired impulses that you have. I mean, what's mm-hmm. the harm? Go after mm-hmm. them. You know, yeah. see, these people, it all kind of came together and it continues to, mm. you know, to, to make happen what it is, what it is we want. So I'm a big fan of pushing people forward in a positive way to go after mm. what it is they really want. Awesome. Awesome. So, so, uh, what is your new dream now? Now that you've achieved that one, what's your new dream that you're working towards? People are always, push, always pushing for the next dream. It's not good enough for it. <laughs> <laughs> But that's an interesting topic, actually. I've, I've been exploring that. I'm like, hmm, why do we always have to push? But no, honestly, for me, I did start a book. Let's oh. see. It was about nine years ago, eight or nine years ago. And I didn't feel that it was the right time for it. Like I ha- But now I'm feeling like it is because I've coached. I was coaching then, too. But I don't know. Now I feel like I have the kinds of success stories and situations. Mm-hmm solidified my process made it even more my own like yeah, there's a lot some of stuff under your belt yeah. yeah that really that i felt needed to happen for me to make the kind of book i wanted to mm-hmm. you know i think i think you know i could have put out a quick tips book or something which wasn't mm-hmm. a terrible idea mm-hmm. um, but i feel like now is the time so that's what's really coming up for me is oh, to wow. yeah revisit and finish this book and it's pretty funny because i actually even have the cover done Mm. I have the outline. Like I, I have a lot of content. <laughs> like I kind of laugh, and I'm, it just kind of stares at you. Like, see, I'm pretty much ready to go. Can you just focus on me? You know, yeah, that's what the universe does. It just mm. makes it all lined up, and all you got to do is walk forward. So mm. that's that. wow, awesome, awesome. Well, keep us updated. That I'd love to get a copy and read through that. Is there like a timeline right now, or not really? What a great coach you are, John. That, that <laughs> is what I need to do next. The funny part is, again, the universe is conspiring to help me. So I've been talking about this mm-hmm. with friends and colleagues and other people are just kind of asking. I have mastermind groups and, you know, folks, I talk about my goals. And yeah. so a good friend said she has a book she wants to write. And she's like, all right, we're going to do this together. So that's what I oh. need. Inside accountability. I know myself well. Mm-hmm. I do well with an outside uh, person to support me. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to support each other. So that we have an appointment set a date and time and I have my to do. So the book's not, I don't have a deadline and maybe that's what I need to consider. So thank you for that. I will work on that. <laughs> that's awesome. That's so fun that you have like this new project, this new dream, so to speak, that you're, you're really, you really want it. And now that you have like that support and that motivation to do that, that's, that's so awesome. And I'm so excited for this book now. I, I've done a lot more reading after graduating. So I'm, I'm looking forward to Isn't it. Isn't that ironic? <laughs> It really is. You're too busy in school to really read. I mean, you can see what they give you, but there's all kinds of stuff out there you can check out, right? Mm -hmm. What do you Yeah, now that it's like you get to pick what you want to read, it's like, oh, look. And then I had this huge revelation like nine months ago where like if you read something, you can actually learn from the book. And I was like, whoa, that's a thing? I didn't know that. Uh, (laughs) So it's it's working out. I hear you. I totally agree with you. (laughs) Cool, cool. Kind of, kind of switching topics, but I was always curious about this. What do you think? This is kind of like a three part question. What do you think teenagers, college students, and adults aren't doing enough right now? I think teenagers, not so. I'm, let's see. The, the ones that I've worked with are, are high schoolers. I, I recently spoke with a high school softball team, for example. Mm-hmm. And if you ask me what aren't they doing enough of, wow, I, the hardest part, I think, for them is to find quiet time. I think schedules and 
there's a lot of pressure. You know, you kind of have to check a lot of boxes to get into college the way yeah. you do. And this was a softball team, so they had sports in addition to their studies. Mm-hmm. You got to really check all the boxes, but in a good way. Like, you kind of want to. You have the energy. Mm-hmm. You're young. But the biggest thing they said was they just don't have time for sleep. <laughs> so <laughs> oh, we were talking about napping, the power of napping and how good that can be. Mm. And so really, I think not getting enough of it does really seem like it's sleep or even quiet time to just not do anything. That's mm. what I see in general. I don't think that's only high schoolers mm-hmm. or college students. I mean, college, you have a lot more free time. At least that was mm-hmm. my experience mm-hmm. than I did in high school, um, mainly, I guess, because I wasn't playing sports or, you know, I don't know, maybe it's just the way the classes were structured, but ultimately, even as adults, you know, you were so busy doing and, and going and, and keeping up or feeling pressured that we don't often get that kind of quiet time. And I found, I find that in New York and I, I you know, my business and my office, you know, I, I still have a New York location and I do a lot of work there. The energy is great, but it's intense. Mm. And it's not just New York. It's like the Northeast part of you know, the, the United States. I mean, it's intense. And I, I personally am great as a sprinter. I can be intense, mm-hmm. but I have to rest. I need yeah. periods of quiet. I need periods of peace. Mm-hmm. And so that's why the other thing we've added in our lives is this outpost, Southern outpost in the Florida Keys, which is a very different, <laughs> a totally different mm-hmm. island life than Manhattan, <laughs> uh, where it's quieter for most of the year. Now it gets busy down here in the winter and that kind of thing, but it's still mm-hmm. never the intensity, you know, of a New York. Mm-hmm. And I like that. I like that balance because I think I know I have a much easier time meditating here. I'm actually talking to you from the keys now. Mm-hmm. And, and I get to do things like beach yoga, which I can't really do easily in Manhattan. Oh, uh, yeah. It's yeah, just a, be super difficult. <laughs> yeah. That I can get in mm-hmm. different locations. And my husband does travel. He's a Villanovan as well. And he does travel, travel work, travel blogging, photography, that kind of thing. Oh. So we've been in many different locations. So I, mm-hmm. I love that though. I love mm-hmm. the idea of having the intense place where people are focused, people are motivated. You know, we're, mm-hmm. everybody's pushing each other forward in a positive way. But I also like the balance of that with quiet, peaceful, beautiful, natural types of settings. And mm-hmm. so I don't know if people realize what they're missing when they're so busy and mm-hmm. on this treadmill. Cause that's what, you know, I hear from high schoolers. I hear from college students. I hear from, uh, you know, people that are in careers and they often don't have this time to, they don't take the time to stop and reflect on where they've been and where they're going. You know, they don't mm-hmm. get that kind of quiet, peaceful, take a break moment. Mm-hmm. And so that's something else that I'm happy to provide in my coaching work. I'm like, well, let's, I can help you with that. And you can make our time. I call it Maggie's world. I'm like, come on in. Oh, like, quiet and peaceful and you can have whatever you want. And let's talk about what that looks like. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I think that's in general, you know, what everybody needs more time is just mm-hmm. to get quiet and get their own answers because there's too much out there telling you what you should do and telling you how to do it and competing with this one to get to that. And, <laughs> mm. You know, like I, I'm not interested in that. I'm more interested in the individual coming to their own answers. It's going to be better quality and mm. a better fit than anything anybody else could tell you. Awesome. Yeah, no, that's so true. It's definitely like right out of college. I personally felt all this pressure that I had to do this. I had to do that and really just be on it every single moment. But what I realized after I did some volunteer work after graduating for about uh, six months. And um, what I learned there is it's so important to have that time to yourself and just really be okay with not being busy every single time and just getting that sleep or just being with yourself and having that alone time to reflect on your life and where you want to go and all that. So I really resonate with that. It's awesome. Great. Yeah, it's inspiration, John. That's how inspiration mm-hmm. comes. And it's a mm-hmm. lot better than operating out of fear. <laughs> <laughs> That's for sure. That is 100%. <laughs> and I I was also curious, I, I haven't asked a question about this yet, but how how's your first grader and how has it been having like a, a kid in your life and how that kind of changed your lifestyle or your plans or if not like growing your plans and making your life more fulfilling? Great question, John. Well asked. <laughs> So my son, our son, uh, was born three months early. Oh, wow. While we were on vacation from New York in Florida. <laughs> Wait, what? Yes. We, we went on a baby moon, right? Um, several months before I was due. And within two, we, we came to the Keys. My in-laws retired here. That's the other reason mm-hmm. we chose the Keys, which is they're mm-hmm. here, you know, or not full time, but they're here, you know, a lot. And so we came to visit. And I ended up giving birth two weeks after we arrived. And he, so our son was born in Miami. 
And even though we're New Yorkers and, and, and that's where we were living full time mm -hmm. at the time. And it was a very, yeah, it was a very scary thing. Thankfully though, there's a lot, this happens often, unfortunately, um, but there's a whole process for it. Uh, and I, we have President Kennedy to thank, actually. JFK mm -hmm. had a son, Patrick, who was born early, who did not make it. And what he did after that was create an entire program mm -hmm. that the government funds that make sure that these babies get the care they need oh, and wow. to live and survive. And so yes, it was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. Wow, he was in the hospital for 61 days. Here in Miami, so that was talk about changing your life. Uh, we so you just had to like move here for like. What's that? So you had to like move down here for like sixty-one days. Well, yes. Uh, but the good news again, because so my husband and I were both freelance. We, you know, I had uh, time practice. Mm -hmm. He was full-time travel blogging. So, and I was doing my SiriusXM show. I we already knew how to work from like remote or whatever, independent locations, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So we rented our apartment in New York. We said, "Hey, who who needs space?" <laughs> Here's our place. And we got a hotel next to the hospital. And we stayed here with him. Yeah. During that whole time. And I got to keep doing my radio show. I, I kept the clients I had, but I didn't take on anybody new. Mm -hmm. And my husband was still able to do his work. And yeah. And we were thankfully able to be, and we're very grateful for that because we do think it had a lot to do with how well he's done and mm -hmm. continues to. Yeah. But it was also interesting because all of a sudden, kind of like you mentioned with Melbourne, how you, you move to Florida and then you realize, wow, it's great not to have winter. Um, <laughs> that's the experience we had. He was, we came to Florida in February. He was born in early March and we stayed here through June. Um, and we're like, that was great. I don't yeah. need to go back for winter. And so even though we did go back to New York and, and, and were there for another three years, we decided when it was time for him to be in school that we wanted to put him in school in a warmer climate. And so we have this dual basis. We have New York where all our friends and family are and we have Florida. South Florida in the Keys where we get to retreat kind of for the school year and also, you know, basically winter um, mm. and not have mm. to deal with it. So it's really created this idyllic lifestyle for oh. us and for mm. him. And he's, he's, <laughs> he's enriched <laughs> our lives so much. Uh. At the same time, he's a real challenge. Wow. Mm. Um, you realize you're not in control of another human <laughs> being and it's difficult, you know, being a mm. career person who's, you know, you can have control over your stuff all of a yeah. sudden other person with their own ideas and their own perspective. Yeah, and you kind of learn. Like, wow, that's yeah, how to influence is more important mm. than 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 you think. Uh, so yeah, it's it's good. We've grown as people, and it's 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 helped my husband and I and our relationship to really. I mean, we came together so strongly with his birth. It was great, um, and I'm glad we both survived. My son and I, because childbirth is a miracle, John. The fact that we're both here, you know, <laughs> babies are born every day. I really appreciate it even more now. And we appreciate him now. And he's a thriving seven-year-old. He's, he's starting to learn about his start. You know, we didn't fully fill him in yet, but mm -hmm. I know he's going to appreciate, you know, how much, how many people, you know, and time and energy. Um, and the Villanova community, actually, I have to say, I have to give a shout out. When we mm -hmm. had him, we didn't know what we were doing, right? I didn't know. I had a baby at 28 weeks and I'm like, okay, what now? Yeah. And I reached out to our Villanova alumni contact to just say, hey, do you know anybody who's gone through this? Mm -hmm. And it turns out a fellow Villanovan um, had just had a daughter about three years earlier. So she sent wow. us, the, she had a conversation with us. She said, here's what you need to know. Here's, mm -hmm. you know, how to go through it. And now, John, talk about coincidences. This person's sister, who's also Villanova, mm -hmm. is in, her kids are in our son's school here in the Keys. <laughs> Right? Oh my gosh. That's so crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Finally met her, this person that helped us. We met her face to face last year at this time. Wow. And the, and the girl, same as Maggie, the little girl. <laughs> was, Classic, was, has to be. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, yeah, it's amazing. So, I think, I think, and I, I guess if I have a lesson learned, it's probably have your kids earlier because I was in my <laughs> mid 30s. And although nobody knows that's why it happened. My pregnancy was very healthy, you know, yeah. and that still they don't know what happened. There was no physical signs of why yeah, yeah. it came out. But um yeah, it was just a pretty amazing experience. So wow. and now awesome. and now I get to coaching as people who are parents. Mm, you have coming, that perspective it, now. Yeah, mm. it helps me understand because you really do have to like your job to go back to it after having a child. Because your kid is the greatest thing on earth, and it, and that's oh. what it should be right. You know, you you can't imagine spending time with anybody else. Yeah, your child, and why would you? You know, this little person needs you. Uh, so it's really helped me as a coach with dads, moms, 
working parents, mm. single parents, you know, dual parenting, you know, really understand how to support them better. Mm. Mm. Amen. That's awesome. I, I love babies and it gets me like all giddy and uh, I don't know, but uh, I'm glad I asked. I'm so glad I asked. Thank you for sharing that. Just sounds like a, a storm of emotions, like good and bad, but also it seems like it turned out for the better. So that's awesome. I'm really happy. Thank you. That. Yes. It, you're, you're spot on. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, well, it seems like we're getting close to the end of our interview, but before I, I ask three questions to all of my guests, but before I get into that, I just wanted to take a second to acknowledge you and, you know, thank you for the work that you've been doing and just giving hundreds and thousands of people so much advice on their careers and following their dreams. I think that's so important and I really appreciate that. And a lot of what you said today and your content that you have out there really resonates with me. I'm in like this very like, I guess, malleable state where I can be formed to do this or that or whatever. And uh, it's still like a big journey for me, but I really resonate a lot with what you say and a lot of the messages that you put out. And I really appreciate that. So I just wanted to give you a shout out for that. Well, my pleasure, John. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, of course. Of course. So the last three questions, uh, they're kind of along the theme of starting with the story. So the first one is, what's been the favorite chapter of your life? Now. Mm. All of them have been great. It's just I don't have regrets or would want to go back. It's more about continuing and experiencing. I just mm. turned 45. Yikes. Um, <laughs> Happy birthday. Thank you. At the or, same time, I just feel like, like wow. That's 22. That's what I heard. So It, it is. It absolutely is. Well, and that's the thing. I'm like, wow, I'm just happy to be where I'm at. I don't, mm. I don't want to be someone else or something mm. else. And, yeah, it feels great. It feels great. Cool. Awesome. Um, so second question, if you had to give a title to the next chapter in your life, what would you title it? Maggie, the author. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. That's good. That's good. <laughs> and then the third and final question is if you had to put a title to the book of your whole entire life up until this moment, what would you title that book? Always follow your dreams. Mm. Always. That has been my tagline and sign off on my emails for at least 10 years if not longer I and that. That's awesome. yeah it's so it's not just the I it's not just the saying hmm. Hmm. yeah it, you just gotta love it you gotta live it um, that's right that's exactly <laughs> it and that's how you love it is by living it that's right yeah awesome. awesome well again thank you so much maggie for joining us and sharing your insight with the starting with the story community really appreciate you being on here and uh go cats <laughs> go cats thanks john happy to be All here right. Yeah, stay safe, stay you. Bye. And that concludes this week's episode with Maggie Mistel. I absolutely love Maggie's story and her message of following your dreams and continuously growing. Talking with her helps solidify for me that I won't know what's happening behind the scenes. No one will. But at the end of the day, I can go to bed knowing that I worked towards my dreams that day. I want to challenge you all to take a look and reevaluate where you are in your life. What are your dreams? Are you striving to reach them? And regardless of what your answer is now, know that you have support. I believe in you. Maggie believes in you. Trust that you are not alone and that the universe is working for you behind the scenes in ways you would not imagine. So go out and follow your dreams. If you are interested in hearing more of Maggie's inspiring insights, check out her podcast, Making a Living with Maggie Mistel on iTunes or on her personal website, maggiemistel.com. Maggie is also always looking to help and motivate more individuals. To keep the conversation going, reach out to her on LinkedIn or email her at maggie at maggiemistel.com. I also wanted to take a quick moment to remind you that Starting With a Story has officially partnered up with Cristo Rey Kansas City High School. All donations received during Season 2 will go directly to supporting the students at Cristo Rey. Go to startingwithastory.com slash Cristo hyphen Rey to learn more about their mission and my volunteer experience with them. All this information can be found on this episode's show notes as well, so be sure to check that out on our website. Now, if you enjoyed this episode or something resonated with you from the story, 
tell us about it. Let us know your thoughts, experiences, and the parts of Maggie's story that really spoke out to you. If you found value in this episode, please consider subscribing, rating, leaving a review, or even sharing it with your friends. It really helps us out and lets us know that you enjoy the content. And lastly, if you have a story or know someone that does that you think would connect with others, shoot me an email at share at startingwithastory.com to potentially be interviewed for a future episode. All of the music in today's episode was originally composed by Bryson Kemp. Check him out at brysonkempmusic.com. I want to be able to connect with people and connect people to each other through storytelling. And now you can be a part of that journey as well. Go out there and share your story. This is John Lee on Starting With The Story, signing off. Stay safe, stay you. (laughs) Ha ha ha.